special episode of the Mark Groves podcast. I have been playing with this idea of exploring subjects that are hot topics, that are questions and concerns that I get a lot on my Instagram at Create the Love, where I get to observe and experience what people are really triggered about and what they have a hard time understanding. And often our biological response to a lot of things is much more elevated than what a rational response would be. And what I mean by that is ghosting. Ghosting is a subject that really gets people going. Um, And, you know, if you think about it, you've only been texting people, you know, for a couple days and then they just disappear off the face of the earth. The actual level of response to something like that shouldn't be too high. There wasn't a lot of emotional investment. And if we do overtly emotionally invest into something so short and so on on a intimacy level, very low, you know, that if there is a massive response to that, it's probably very old pain living in a micro rejection. So probably pain of rejection that's being triggered in a wound that's being really opened by, um, um, you know, this micro rejection that might be just a couple texts and maybe some Tinder swipes. And all of a sudden we're like, no, where did they go? So I wanted to walk through why does it happen? Why is it so painful? And if we are the ghoster, Why might we do that? Because I think it's important to understand and have compassion, which is separate from tolerance. Let's get very clear there. That having compassion for why someone might do that doesn't mean we tolerate the behavior or say the behavior is okay. So we're not doing that. When we're understanding why people do it, we are just understanding it. It doesn't mean that we're saying, okay, well, then it's okay because they were hurting. No. You know, there's that thought that hurt people hurt people and healed people heal people. And this is why it's so important that we get to discover our hurts because we all have them. And if we don't, they start to and continue to steer our lives and we'll call it fate. We'll call it, I don't know, just patterns. Oh, the world just keeps happening. There's no great people out there. There's no available people. You know, all of these ways that our pain masquerades um, as just serendipity. And so it's about taking control of that narrative and that story so that we can navigate our own lives. And I wrote this post that, was someone ghosting you is the universe saving you from mediocrity. You know, it's someone dumping themselves for you. And I do truly believe that. You know, I, I there's a quote that I love. I can't remember who wrote it. That is, what is meant for me will never miss me, and what misses me was never meant for me. And when we actually start to live by that, it doesn't mean that the pain of loss isn't significant. It just is that we trust that there's a greater path that... The one doesn't ghost you, right? But if we get stuck on the idea that this is the one, then the ghosting is going to be incredibly painful. The other side where ghosting gets really painful is when you've been like dating someone for six months, two years, five years, and all of a sudden they just disappear. I mean, that is awful. That is awful. But what I would say to that is there was likely a lot of red flags or at least a few way before that that we miss. So if we have a constant pattern of being ghosted, there's likely something that we're missing in the space of the ghoster, of missing really clear red flag behavior. So here's, let me give an example. We 
can know many people that are on online dating and you might be an online dater yourself. You might be on Tinder yourself. You might be on Bumble. You know, the amount of actual sexual interactions in the research, kids and teenagers and people in their 20s today, young people, have less sexual partners than people of past generations did. You would never think that based on the narrative that we have around online dating. But also think about this. Historically, when someone had to communicate how many sexual partners they had, you could look back pretty much any decade and people would be socially pressured to give a lower number than the real number. So we know there's always a bias in self-reporting. But we live in a time where that pressure is still there, especially for women. But we live in a time when we are more open to the possibility that, you're, that we're all more sexually active. Usually we had to hide our sexual activity. But we still have to, so I'm not saying that that doesn't exist, that pressure, but I'm saying that you, the, the number would not be biased to lower. It should technically be higher because we'd be more transparent. So I think that data is fairly valid. Now, I think we like to paint the picture that people are more casual and more da-da-da-da-da-da because then it supports our narrative about generations today. Just don't take relationships seriously, which I actually don't agree with. I do think that because there are more options, we tend to pass by people who could be a fantastic catch. And if we're not paying attention to our wounding, we'll be chasing unavailable people and people who are giving us sort of like a high of chemistry that is actually an attraction to what's not good for us. So you know that what you're attracted to is if you experience chemistry with people who aren't great for you, then you know that your desire, your connection, your chemistry is attracted to people who are not good for you. So you know that it's a bit more wound-based. And so what I like to call it is that we're eroticizing our pain. We're making sexy what hurts us. In a lot of ways, this is the, and the reason I'm talking about it in this, in the context of ghosting, is in a lot of ways, it's that wounding that leads us to swipe right to or give time to someone who someone else would never give time to. And so getting back to that conversation about online dating is everybody gets access to the exact same online dating pool. No one gets special access to the soulmate good person area, and other people get access to the douchebag unkind asshole area. Everybody gets the same pool. But why do only some people end up in relationship with the same types of people, and other people seem to find people who have you know, high values, been working on themselves, been, you know, aligned values is probably the better thing because I don't want to say like there's a hierarchy of values but and make judgments, but I'm saying like if you're looking for a relationship and you're swiping right to people with bathroom selfies and butt pictures, just from a pure categorization perspective, um, what we do as humans is we have this thing called, in psychology we call them decision heuristics, that these are shortcuts that we make unconsciously that are judgments that allow us to choose when we're faced with lots of choices. Now, the challenge is, is that these shortcuts or judgments live often in our unconscious. But in the research, when they look at someone's Facebook profile or someone's college dorm room or someone's Instagram, you can predict with a pretty high level of accuracy what someone's value system is. So it doesn't actually take much to go through an Instagram or a Tinder and know pretty quickly what someone's looking for. I can do it pretty quickly. 
Now, when I've worked with people and said, like, would you swipe right to this, yes or no, based on what they're looking for, they'll often swipe right to things that are massive red flags. You know, and so we can get into the conversation like, what is a red flag? Well, anyone who tries to elevate a relationship very quickly is usually a red flag. You know, that is a pretty good If they're trying to take you on a trip right away, if they're trying, those are, I don't care how wealthy the person is, that's usually a really good sign that that person doesn't value themselves on their own, that they want to impress through this um, way of showering with gifts and these types of things. The other ones is dropping the L-bomb real early. Like if you're in, you know, week one, uh, like Luke P on The Bachelorette, that's a pretty big red flag. You know, because they're trying to get that emotional tie really quick. Anytime that um, behavior and words do not match, most people say, uh, believe what someone says, not what they do, or believe what they do, not what they say. Actions speak louder than words. No. Whenever actions and words do not match, that's a red flag. It doesn't mean you have to ditch somebody or get rid of them. It just means you need to get curious to understand more about why there might be a disconnect. And what I mean by that is someone might say, I don't want a relationship. And you'll be like, but they're treating me like I'm their partner. It's so confusing. They must want one. They just don't know that they want one because they're just telling me this because they're afraid. Well, we're already making excuses for someone who's not making them for themselves. And so one of the first ways to alleviate this experience of ghosting is to get very clear on what you want. Like, what do you actually want? Like, I've worked with this woman who said, well, if I found the right person, I'd want kids. And I'm like, well, are you planning on not finding the right person? Like, don't minimize what you actually want. Get very clear about it and declare that shit. And then second is being able to actually express that in the dating process. It is so normal to ask someone on a first date or when you're first texting them, what are you looking for? That is so normal. If it's wishy-washy, if it's not what you want, that is actually great dating filtering material. Dating is about sorting. It's about sorting. Second is, is being very clear and being able to ask stuff like, when was your last relationship? Why did it end? You know, if it was last week, that's an issue. Also pay attention to what their pictures look like. You know, like really pictures... Sure, you could take selfies. I got no problem if you like selfies. If all of your profile is selfies, to me, that's a bit of a red flag. If you don't have enough friends to take your picture, that's a bit of a red flag that you're not actually out with people, that everything is about these curated, filtered, you know, these weird apps that, like, shape your butt and make your face look like it's shiny and doesn't even have texture. Again, those things, to me, can be red flags. So... Being able to recognize it, if you have been ghosted and it's been more than after a couple dates, you know, or like, sorry, a couple texts or like five days of text exchange, if you have been ghosted after a longer period of time, I would be very honest with yourself, and I do this in all my experiences, is like, when I look back, where should I have taken a left when I took a right? Where did I miss the intuitive hit that said to me, this person, there's something off. I don't know what it is. And so we actually start to get honest with ourselves. We get really real with ourselves about where we haven't honored our intuition and our gut. And actually, even on the first date, been like, eh, I don't really like this person or I'm not sure about them. I'll go on four to five more dates, maybe date them for a couple of years just to see, though. 
right? Like we're so brilliant if we connect it back to ourselves. But the challenge is, is when you don't listen to the initial intuitive feeling, the gut feeling, which on so many levels, our human experience, we are analyzing micro motor movements on someone's face that we don't even know we're doing. That allows us to assess threats and opportunities. And within a fifth of a second, your brain puts someone into this space of threat or not. So your amygdala does that before you even know you did that. And so when your body is responding that way and you're not listening to it, you won't be able to trust yourself. And you're also saying that I don't, I don't believe what my body's telling me. And so we become a bit disassociated and disconnected from our true emotional experience. The next side of this is the reason ghosting is so painful is because it is this really sharp severing of attachment that we didn't even feel like we got a choice in. There's this just complete removal of closure, which is really hard. And I think as people, we really want this experience of a kind ending, or at least the idea that I was worthy of that from you. Like I opened up to you and I shared with you and you didn't even give me the grace of a kind exit. You know, and I, I know as I've been ghosted, you know, I remember I went on this date with this girl, a couple dates, and we just had the best time, I thought. And, you know, we kissed at the end of the date, and it was so fun. And I texted her later, she texted me back, never heard from her again. And, you know, at that time, I was at least, like, conscious of the reality that because someone can't choose me doesn't mean I'm unworthy of being chosen. So the narrative we tell ourselves of why the ghosting happened is so important. We are in charge of the story we tell ourselves. But the interesting thing is we tend to choose stories that hurt us rather than help us. So we have to take conscious responsibility for the story. So then we say, hey, the reason they ghosted me is about them. Because anyone who's incapable of a gracious exit, that is about them. Anyone who's incapable of telling us the truth that's about them. That's about them. But when we make it about us, that is usually supporting a story that we're not enough. We were not worthy of that. You have to take command of that story. Now, you also have to be real with yourself. Were you, would you have been able to hear that? Have you acted crazy in trying to have a hard conversation when they tried to have a hard conversation with you? Did they try to break up with you before and you didn't listen? You kept wanting to fight for it? All of those realities are just important to connect to like the truth of what is actually real about how we show up and how they showed up. And did we miss red flags getting real honest with ourselves? Now, that so that first part of being very clear with intentions, the second part of identifying and seeing where we missed red flags that we should have noticed earlier so that the next time we start dating, we're actually connecting to the red flags that we missed in the previous one. And we honor that knowledge by making different decisions, by actually choosing to take that left or to take that right when we went left in our past. You know, and I, I personally believe that if it is safe for you to do so, it is important to call out people who ghost. You know, I dated this one girl who was quite flaky, and I remember I, she said, oh, are we going to do something this weekend? And I said to her, you know what? No, because every time we've made plans, you've flaked. And I have no interest in being someone with someone who's flaky. And her response was like, I'm not flaky. I'm not. And I was like, here's what's happened. 
And it's not that I wish you any ill will. I wish you so much success in your dating world. This just isn't for me. And that is so powerful when you start to step into boundaries. I mean, that was such a learning space for me because I was always dating from this perspective of like, if we have a connection, then we have to pursue it. And it's, I'll accept any type of behavior or any non-high value-based behavior in order to just keep this connection alive. And so I think it's important that we recognize that when you step into your true intentions and you honor that in the dating process by saying, This person actually isn't a good fit. Wait, I don't get a good feeling about this person. Or my old pattern is to date unavailable and to be attracted to people who clearly have some red flags in terms of their values. I'm no longer going to do that. And if we take the pain of the ghosting and the rejection and we used it for transformation, it will be one of the most powerful points of transformation to say, never again. Never again will I allow this. Now, the other side of this is why we ghost. You know, we often ghost, I would say the majority of the time, if not all the time, I'm just always careful to say 100% of the time, um, we ghost because we're afraid to hurt other people. We're afraid to hurt other people. We're afraid to see that we hurt other people. We're afraid to see the impact. We don't want to deal with their feelings about it. So we just don't do it. There's no negative social... There's no negative social consequence with so much high touch point technology, which what I mean by that is, you know, like people in the dating process and things like dick pics and stuff. Well, if it wasn't technology in your face, you know, might not be in it and you might be anonymous or whatever it is, you know. If you were in public and you're at a coffee shop, you're not just going to whip out your dong. There's a social consequence to that. You're going to probably go to jail for exposure. But in the context of a digital experience, why is that like the next logical step? You know, I have this funny meme that I post, which is uh, next time you go to send a dick pic, send a puppy pic. I promise you'll get better results. And although it's funny, at the same time, it's like um, ghosting is a behavior that occurs because the social cost of it is not as high as it would have been historically. Because think about it, back in the day when there was no technology or online dating, if you said, I'm going to meet you at 4 p.m., you often met people through work or your friends. So their reputation would suffer if they stood you up. So there was a social cost. Now there's hardly as much of a social cost, if any, because people often haven't even met up yet. You know, and in the online dating process, I would say to people always stay on the app till you know that you trust them enough to move off the app. You don't want to give them access to your actual cell phone because then you might have to change your number in the future. Now, the other side of that is go and meet someone fast. Don't text for fucking three months. You know, don't get into this deep emotional connection because we often use technology as a way of protecting ourselves from hurt because we feel like we can go deep in texting. We have coded calling each other as a red flag. Isn't that crazy? You know, when you like call your friend and they text you back and say, what's happening? You're like, I just called you. You just downgraded my level of communication. To me, it's not a red flag if someone calls you. That's actually a really great behavior. You want to be able to hear someone and talk to them before you go meet them. So I would say do that. If someone is unable to FaceTime or get to know you or comes up with excuse after excuse, there's likely a big issue there. If they're not allowing you into your into their lives, you know, if they're like on social media and they, you know, once you've progressed to a certain stage, not allowing you into their private social media 
I mean, that's not a sign of someone who wants to pursue a relationship. So being able to reconnect to this idea that you don't have to tolerate low quality behavior is part of the learning of dating because what it does is it transforms you and your self-worth and it shows you if you tolerate low value behavior that means that you have a low value for what you'll accept in your life which means on some level you believe you're worthy of it this is why dating is such a powerful experience because you can work through the beliefs you have about yourself just purely by showing up honoring your intentions having great boundaries and if someone freaking ghosts you and it's safe for you to do so i don't say reach back out to like someone who's a narcissistic sociopathic you know unhealthy manipulative person i'm saying reach out to people who just disappeared where you were worthy of more and you say that to them just so you know when you just disappeared after all the experiences we had that was really painful for me i know you might be going through a lot and i know you might be afraid of conflict and communication but that does not give you the reason to just disappear that does not give you the excuse to not show up as a kind and compassionate human being i am worthy of that and you are worthy of hearing that I think you should show up at a much higher level. You are capable of being better. And I hope for the next person that you do the dance with and invite into your life and into your heart and they you invite you into theirs, that you will show up as a kind and, and be graceful and be kind and be compassionate. But in this experience, you were not those things. And I want you to know the impact that you had on me. Something like that. I wish I could just send you the script, right? <laughs> you know, because I know that that type of thing, that type of call out behavior that might not actually compute to them at the time. But I promise you that that will wake up a part of them about their integrity, about who they are as a human being, of how the world experiences them. So if you are someone who has ghosted, which I think a lot of people have ghosted, let's be honest, let's just call it out. I have. For sure, when I was younger, you know, and because it's easier to just do that than have a hard adult conversation. And this is about adulting. You know, I remember going to this conference where Lisa Nichols said the person was saying, I need to break up with the person I'm dating. How do I do that? Blah, blah, blah. And Lisa Nichols said, when you were born and you were welcomed into this world, did someone tell you that you never have to put on your big girl, big boy pants and have a hard conversation and hurt someone's feelings? No, no one ever told you that. So put them on and have a combo. And that shook me because I saw how scared I was to actually hurt other people's feelings. But by doing that, I was hurting who I am and the values I have for myself. And I was also not allowing them the grace of the experience and the trust that they can handle the feelings they will have. And I can handle mine and we will move through this as adults. So part of it is about adulting yourself. It's about showing up for yourself and remembering the type of footprint you want to leave on this planet. Now, why do we do it? Well, when I was younger and I was just out of my engagement, I was heartbroken. And I remember going on uh, quite a few dates with this really wonderful woman. She was, you know, kind and she was beautiful and she was brilliant and she was all the types of things you would want in someone. And she was courageous and she was the type of woman that you would fall in love with, the type of human that is easy to fall in love with. But I was so confused about who I was and what I wanted about from a relationship and what I'd been taught, I was in the storm. I, you know, I've been in the storm many times since, but I was in the storm and I didn't know I was afraid of being loved. I pushed away people who could love me and I didn't know that. I just 
she said to me, I remember I was at her house and she looked at me and she said, I'm really starting to like you. And my stomach got sick and I didn't know how to handle it. And I just, I, I placed it on, there was not enough chemistry or connection. And I ran, you know, and figuratively, but I left her house and I never really fully communicated with her again. And I found myself teaching this at a workshop and expressing like it comes from a fear of being loved often, avoidant behavior, not being able to handle conflict and closeness comes from a fear of being loved. And so I realized this that and I reached out to her and said, I'm so sorry for how I showed up. You were worthy of so much more than that. And I wish that I could have told you this then, but I didn't know it then. And if in any way my behavior impacted you and you made it about you, I just want you to know it never was. It was always about me. And I'm sorry that my hurt spread to you. I hope that now my healing can spread to other people. And that's the birth of responsibility. That's taking responsibility even for our past. So if you're waiting for an apology from someone, I want you to think about someone who might be waiting for an apology from you. We spend so much of our lives wanting to heal from the hurt we have endured, but what about the hurt that we have actually created? And I think as a collective, if you're listening to this, if, as we have this conversation, is to take full responsibility for what we want and our choices and how we want to be remembered in this world. And to know that you can have compassion for someone who ghosts, but that doesn't mean you'll ever tolerate their behavior, and it doesn't mean that you can't wake them up through some feedback. Some of the greatest life transformations I have ever had and the greatest awarenesses often came years after someone said something to me that stirred something inside me, but also it has happened immediately after someone has called me out on my integrity and my choices and inauthenticity and all those things of seeing that I am capable of showing up as a better human being. And I'm saying this to you with compassion from my own experience, which is if you are holding on to words that you have never spoken and you can grow to a different space than where you're currently operating, you owe that to yourself to expand. You owe that to yourself to really truly show up as the best version of you. The greatest rule I ever made in my life was that I would always live at my highest level of knowledge. And what this meant was whenever I learned something, I had to transform. Whenever I experienced pain, I would ask myself, what is the lesson within this? How do I need to change so this never happens again? That was the greatest gift I ever gave myself was the commitment to tying that to my integrity. Because no longer could I repeat a choice and call it a mistake. It became a choice and that was the responsibility of awareness. That's the responsibility of seeing your pain as potential. So with all of this, ghosting, a complex subject, you know, a beautiful subject, and I hope this has been really helpful for you to understand it a little more and to invite you to that space of calling out the people who may have done that to you and also what might be the um, pattern that you've been in and how to identify those red flags and move on earlier. And if you are going through that pain of being ghosted or a really just a challenging breakup, I have a breakup recovery course that's five weeks that's all about bringing us through the transformation and the stages we need to go through to navigate the understanding of what's going on in our bodies and our hearts and also to move through them and get closure and all those things. And you get daily emails as well that support the videos and the worksheets and all the process. And, you know, I've had well over... 
300 people in that course and the experiences have been just transformational and uh, I wish that for you as well so if you want to sign up for that you can go to bit.ly so b-i-t dot l-y slash breakup healing so b-r-e-a-k-u-p h-e-a-l-i-n-g bit.ly slash breakup healing and wherever you listen to this if you really enjoyed it please share it that is so important to get in other people's ears so they can understand this process and what's going on if you really love this experience and this special subject episode amazing i'm so grateful for that um, please uh, fire me a dm on instagram or fire, fire me an email at info at markgroves.tv like television and let me know any subject you might be thinking of that you'd really like me to cover and with all that said, wherever you listen to this, if you can give a five-star review and a written review, I'd be so grateful. Have the most wonderful day.